just like to pivot off of what we just sang about, especially the last line, Christ in me and what that means. And I, I kind of want to take you down a, a sort of a long, circuitous route to that place where Christ is in us. And I think the best place to go is, um, is, is just uh, imagine going home or going out into the country or driving to Boardman and looking at what's happened in the landscape around you, especially where trees are involved. What have you noticed that is different? Anything? Lots of leaves. It's very green. Are there as many trees this year as there were last year? Would it be fair to say that uh, quite a few of them are no longer with us? And if you've even just gone into my, the little parcel of woods that I have, I've got a number of them that are just doing this, and some of them have just done that. And it, it gets even more interesting because when I'm driving home, I've discovered two things. That God's put in front of me uh, two, two aspects of my faith that I hadn't really pondered. And, and that is, one, uh, think about roots. And why do I think about roots? If you follow the route that I go home, I'll go uh, down, down Union and then over to Painter and then Butcher. And if you've ever been down that way, you'll notice that there is a tree that's leaning way over like that, only it is suspended on a communication line. And as I drive under it, and I've been driving under it for two months, I'm looking at the root system, and each time it appears that it's just letting go a little bit more. And so the second thing that I do is I pray. I mean, I I pray a lot, but I pray when I'm driving, God, please don't allow that tree to fall on me in my car. And it just looks like it's getting ready to let go at any time. And the chances of it doing it are probably greater than they would have been in the past. Because many of us, in looking at all the trees around us, have also seen that houses and roads are oftentimes in their path. Even going to the elders retreat, I went the back road uh, to Camp Frederick on a road called Mill Rock, which the other guys didn't go down. And I could understand why after I got going down it. Uh, Partly it was, you know, peppered with Amish people, which uh, is fine. But the other thing was there was a tree down in the road. And what was so unique about it was somebody had left the tree there, but they had cut out just a wide enough swath so you could drive your car through. Or in this case, maybe an Amish buggy, I don't know. But regardless, trees are just a fallen and trees are everywhere. And sometimes God uses things like that to help us to ask a deeper question. What does that mean? And for me, the one thing that kept reoccurring was... I'm guessing the underlying reason why those trees are on the ground is because even though from the top side they look pretty strong and pretty powerful and pretty sustainable, what's going on underneath the ground, not so much. And it caused me to ask the question, what role do roots have to play with believers? And interestingly enough, there's quite a bit that the Bible mentions when it comes to the topic of roots. And believe it or not, uh, it has a lot of significant bearing upon how we remain in what we've been taught from the beginning of our faith or even as being part of a family that are believers. 
You see, as I pondered it a little bit more, I thought, I've sent two kids off to college. Two of them have made it through. One of them, TBA, to be, no, TBD, to be determined. And I'm thinking, how deep are the roots in kids that are graduating? Is it a place where it's so embedded in their lives that when they go, it stays with them? Or are the forces that are at work in the world are going to pull them in a different direction? And I wonder about that not only as a father, but as a pastor. And then I think about even statistics that talk about churches right now. Recent survey of 848 churches by Unstuck Church, churches that uh, range from, you know, 100 to, 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 to 5,000 and everything in between. And did you know that in the course of last year, through that whole set of churches, both large and small, that the overall collective growth rate was 0.5%. And it seems like even believers are being challenged in terms of the stability that they have to maintain what it is that's been established. And all these things kind of not only concern me, but make me wonder, what is it that I can do as a father? What is it that I can do as a pastor? What is it that I can do as a friend to make sure that the roots are strong in the lives of the people around me? And what is it that I can do to make my own roots strong? Well, if uh, you look at the graphic, uh, you'll see that that is, that is our theme for the next four weeks. And I'm hopeful with the grace and the, the power of God that we can just obviously dig down a little bit into that, see how the, the, the soil is and, and how deep the roots are, and maybe have some takeaways where as we begin to consider that part of what's been established in our lives, how we can make it even stronger. So before I go any further, um, I'm going to pray, and I'd just like for you to, in your own way, pray with me in, in, in agreement. Father, we thank you that your word is the basis by which we can be established in all things that involve you. And we thank you that as we take this journey into that rootedness that you describe in terms of how it is that we are your people and how it is that we maintain our faith and be strong and face all of the forces that are at work against us and against our relationship with you, our relationship with each other and our relationship with even ourselves. We pray that as we go into these weeks that you help us to grow ourselves and to be um, uh, uh, perhaps watered or nourished. Whatever it is that you see that is a necessary ingredient in this moment. And I just ask, Father, that you would bless this series, that it would be for your kingdom purpose and for the building up of the people that you value so much, uh, your children and the children that you are seeking to adopt into the wonderful family that is the family of Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I'm showing you that graphic, um, I, I want to build on it just a little bit. Uh, first of all, I want to ask, does anybody know where, where the graphic does it look even vaguely familiar? Karen? Okay, in the studio, which is where you go after the, after the service or any time if you want to find out information about the church. Uh, it's, a, it's a friendly way to discover things that have to do with how you can take next steps. 
That's it. I want to show you a picture of a tree in uh, South Carolina. If anybody ever been to Charleston, South Carolina? Some of you have. I know there's a lot of ex-Ohioans or expatriates who are down there. Uh, if you go there, and, uh, somewhere near the city proper in a park is this tree. And it's called Old Angel. And believe it or not, it's been there a while. Matter of fact, guess how many years this tree had been rooted and established by the time Christopher Columbus hit the soil of North America? Anybody want to weigh in? There are no treeologists in the room, obviously. 400 years? Okay, 500? Do I have 600? One dollar? That's the wrong number, sorry. <laughs> 1,000 years. That tree has been in existence for 1,500 years. It's about 70 feet high and about 190 feet wide. And we have no idea what the root system looks like other than can you only imagine what kind of roots a tree like that would have in South Carolina? I mean, we're talking Charleston, South Carolina. What happens in the Carolinas? Hurricanes. Not just one or two, but oftentimes a few a year. Multiply that times 1,500. So you have 1,500 times two. Anybody have a calculator? Okay. It's a lot. So if you take that whole set of experiences that that tree has had year after year after year after year of continued forces that were working against its existence and it still stands you gotta say you gotta respect that don't you your hat's sort of off to even a tree that could, that could be a, a, a living viable entity in the span of that many years What's so tragic about this tree is even though it is rooted and it is established and it is flourishing and it has a community of people that just really like the feature that it adds to the character of the city, there are a group of, of developers who are looking at that space and they're saying, oh, that would be a really good place for this new structure or set of structures that we want to put in. And you can only imagine if the tree had the ability to process that. Okay, I've withstood the hurricane of 1659, and then there was the other one in 1702, and then there was, oh, that big one in you know, 18, 1841. And then you have a few guys with a few chainsaws knocking it over, and the tree saying... Never saw that coming. And there's not much you can do about it. And you just imagine what it is that keeps anything thriving and, and, and just growing. Not only that length of time, but just the length of time of your life and mine. And you couple that with the forces that are at work in our lives. The things that would... Tell us, oh yeah, you don't need to take the Jesus stuff quite so seriously. Or, oh yeah, I'm going to throw this into your world and let's see how well you can field it. And 
on and on. There are just a variety of forces that you and I, in the course of 80 or so years, if we're given that, we have to remain steadfast. We have to remain deeply rooted. And we'll explore some of those forces in a minute. But I just want to give you the gist of where I'm going because as beautiful as that tree is, and hopefully people won't run interference to its existence, there's another tree that is about 60 feet high, similar in height, but it's only been around for about 70 years. It's in the backyard of a friend of mine who lives up by White House Farms, and I was at his house uh, uh, about a week ago, and, and he was showing me pictures of, uh, of different things, and he said, oh yeah, you remember that wind that we had a few weeks ago? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm still living in the aftermath of it. He said, well, let, let me tell you about the pin oak that was in my backyard that used to be upright that is now laying on the ground. And he showed me this picture of what I thought was just a clump of dirt, if we can, if we can just take a gander at it. That's his wife, and she's standing at the base of the root ball, or actually in the middle of part of the root ball. And the rest of it, behind that clump of dirt, was formerly... A 70-year-old tree. Majestic, beautiful, had an air of dignity in all of the trees that were in that spot. It, it, it was, it was uh, one of the outstanding features of their vista as they were looking out the back window. And he just said one day, uh, came home and it was nice and all of a sudden the wind picked up and I looked out and there was my tree. I looked back out again, gone. All like that. How quickly and how unexpectedly a beautiful tree becomes, well, something that will soon be biodegradable or heating some, a lot of people's home in the winter. If you just step back for a minute and you think about how this applies to your life and mine, Perhaps one of the best places that we can go is in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul actually is pondering some of this stuff as we've kind of set it up. And he's looking at the church at hand. It's a church that is in um, Ephesus. And he's saying, I'm really concerned that they will be able to go the distance. And he's literally down on his knees praying for people that he has established a relationship with, people that he cares about, and he's looking at their well-being and he's saying, I hope, I hope they can remain steadfast. I hope this church can be strong. I hope it can expand. But he's not only thinking about them, he's also thinking about you. Because as I'm walking, or as I'm driving by all of these little clumps of mini forests and woods and stuff like that, I can't help but think about believers that were in church but are now kind of just hanging on by a thread or by a wire and other believers that have just completely just dropped off and I ask the question what is it that takes something that is so rich and so valuable as the life that we have in Christ and the blessings that flow out of that and the healing and the help and the, the peace and the 
the, the, the newfound relationship and the riches that we have in Christ and in one another and expanding that into a hope where we're considering that, yeah, one day I am going to die. And when I do, I am confident that it'll be a celebration when I go. <laughs> and for good reasons, not like ding dong, you know. <laughs> and as... God has given us these rich gifts that are in many ways unseen because they're below the surface like roots. We have to tend to them. And we have to keep them healthy. Because I've known people who've come to church and perhaps I've even been in those seasons myself where I'm coming and I put on the appropriate show. You know, I, I come in, I greet everybody, I say, how you doing? Maybe just behave in a way that everybody else behaves. But in reality, they're just forces trying to topple me over or you over. And no one knows. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I looked one minute and you were there and I looked again and you were gone. And it's heartbreaking to consider, isn't it? That you see that. But you even see it in the Bible. You know, Peter was told by Jesus, Satan asked if he could sift you like wheat. And Peter fell away, and he came back, and he fell away, and he came back. And even right when he said, I believe that you are the Christ, and that you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, you know, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, of course, that means a lot of different things, but... Essentially, it was just an affirmation that I am with you. I am with you, Jesus, to the living end. Only to find that the forces got too great one day. And he decided it was time to cut his losses. And he quit and ran away. Because it was getting a little too intense. Thankfully, the roots were there. And he came back. But sometimes... We don't. Sometimes kids don't. And so here's what Paul said in Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14. He said, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. It is, it is his way of saying, I, I, I am humbling myself before you, God. It is that important because not everybody sees it. And from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory. He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being. With power through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. As you are being rooted and grounded in love. Let's just stop there. And as we do, I want to explore what Paul just did. Because he's imagining the dangers that aren't threatening him like a tree falling on my car as I'm going under it on Painter Road. But he's imagining the dangers of people that were once believers and seemingly firm in their faith falling away. And he's trying to frame it in a way that I think gives it the rootedness that it, that it deserves. And how's that? By describing God as a father and what is happening in his relationship with us in the imagery of a family. Now, I haven't touched on Mother's Day yet, 
But at this point, I think it's, it's probably good to do. Because if somebody were to say, what are your roots? How easy is it for us to say, well, you know, I'll just start with Georgianne, my mom, and Ira, my dad. And then it just kind of goes down the family tree from there. But I think if you ask that question more carefully, I don't even know those people down the family tree. They have names I can't even pronounce. But I do know Georgiana, and I know, I know my dad. And as I think about their lives, I wonder what kind of roots did they establish in my own life? Now, since it's Mother's Day, I'm, I'm just thinking about my mom. And it's, I'm sure, a whole cross-section of feelings going on today as, as, as I'm aware pastorally of, of many of those dynamics. And many times people will counsel with me and they'll say, yeah, I'm having issues. And, and part of it does stem from kind of some of the roots that I have relative to people that raise me. And sometimes... You know, moms on one end can go no wrong, do no wrong, and other, on the other end of the continuum, there are moms who the person just felt like it, it just never worked. And everything in between. But ideally, what God wants to do is use persons like moms to help build some of that root system in a rudimentary way so that we can dig them even, or, or embed them even deeper in the soil as we go on. Let me just illustrate it a little bit. When I think about my mom, it's usually with a lot of emotional content because I spent, you know, 18 years under her roof. And I don't remember everything, but I do remember certain things, and usually they had some element of deep emotion with them. One of them is I remember my fifth birthday and how proud she was. But I also remember when I was a about thir- I was about 14 and she wanted to go visit her mom on Mother's Day and being a 14 year old I'm like that sounds so boring I don't want to go I'm not going and she got mad then she went into the other room and I heard her crying and I'm like oh Mother's Day yeah so that wasn't a good memory but I'll tell you a fun one and it was this, whenever we were, whenever I was in uh, ab- about that age, we, uh, a little bit younger actually, uh, we had horses out in the country about seven miles. And we'd have to go out there twice a day and feed them in the morning and feed them in the evening. And sometimes, you know, that it would be that time to clean the stalls and it would take a little bit more time. Now, some of you were alive in the winter of 1978. Anybody remember that one? Boy, I sure do. I'll tell you why. Because in the middle of winter, we are, I think it was January, we're out there and it's in the evening, rolled in about 6 o'clock, and mom's like, I think we need to clean the stalls. And we had two horses out there. And I'm like, well, let's just get it done. So we, you know, the hard ground, cleaned the stalls, and about two and a half, almost three hours later, we were done and we were pretty tired. We didn't know that outside it started snowing, but it didn't just start snowing, it was dumping buckets and buckets and buckets. Like when we looked out there, our truck formerly was five and a half feet off the ground. It was more like 10 it looked like after we got done. And I said, 
we got to go home in this, don't we? And she said, yeah. So we got in the truck, and we couldn't even hardly see the road. And we just started working our way out, out, out of the, the, the farm complex and then onto a country road. And as we began to proceed to the main highway, we got about a mile and a half, maybe two miles down the road. And for whatever reason, the ditch got real hungry for her truck and just pulled it right in. And I'm like, Mom, have you seen any cars on the road since we've began this trip? No. I said, what are we going to do? And she's like, I don't know. Then I had this thought. We're going to, because in the back of your truck is a motorcycle. We're going to get on my motorcycle and we're going to ride it to the highway and then on into town. Because I'm sure when we get to the highway, it'll be cleared off and it's only about two miles up the way. We can do it. And what brand of insanity was inside my mom's head at that moment? She's like, okay, let's try it. <laughs> so you can imagine 12-year-old kid on a Kawasaki 100 with his mom on back. She didn't have a, a, a hat. All she had was a towel wrapped around her head. We're cruising down this, you know, road, and I'm going like this, and the snow's about that deep, but we're, we're plowing through it. And we finally get to, to the main highway, and we go to turn on, and we wiped out. And there we are staring at all the snow coming down at us, and I'm thinking, this isn't good for two reasons. One is, I hope she's okay. Secondly, they didn't plow the road. And then I'm thinking, there's no turning back. So you either laugh or cry, in this case, laugh or cry or die. I said, as we were kind of laughing about it, let's just get back on the bike and let's just try to make it into town. And so we were going, didn't see any cars on the road, and we're like, man, nobody's out. We finally made it to town. We crashed once again, finally made it to town. And as we're driving into town, the roads were somewhat cleared off. But it was hard to see by that time because the icicles on her eyebrows were so big that it was, it, it, it was just like little slits. And we finally made it back home and we just started laughing. And it was such a good feeling to go through something like that with her that we kind of talk about it sometimes. Like, what were we thinking? And, you know, a few other things like that. But she said, I, I, I had this feeling that you knew what you were doing and you could do it. But that didn't come from me. That came from them. Because my mom and dad both have always said, there's a way. There's a way. There's a way. And I just saw them do that. And I'm like, well, here's a motorcycle. Here's a snowstorm. There's the town. There's a way. And it was just one of those little roots that went down in me that helped establish something in my life. And what I didn't know is that it was a signpost in its own way to the way who would say ultimately, if you're so afraid of death, you don't even have to be afraid of that. Because there's a way. And the root goes a little bit deeper into something a little bit more powerful and that is the one who is the way and Paul is using that illustration to describe what is happening in so many ways 
in your life and mine. And my guess is no matter what the mixed bag of your family system is or your roots are, God has a way of using that to point to him. And I've learned a lot about God, believe me, studying the Bible and being paid to study the Bible and all that, and it's been wonderful. But as I was asking my friend Rich Capel the other day, as perhaps he's changed, I don't know how many diapers. Do they have a Fitbit for diaper changes? Um, I'm like, because I know Rich is a serious student of the Bible. And probably nobody that I know of is as serious as he is. And I know he's got a really rich understanding of who God is. And I asked him a question the other day. Rich, has being a dad changed your view of who God is? And it was interesting to see him answer in the affirmative. Because I honestly think that's by design. I truly believe that God made us to be parents so that when we have children, well, we, first of all, kind of understand what we did to our own parents. But on a deeper level, we understand sometimes how we treat God. And on an even deeper level, you know what else I think we understand? How much we love our kids anyway. And an even deeper level, how much God loves us anyway. And it makes you think for a minute just how meaningful roots become. Because God's goal is like anything, I want you to stay connected. Not just connected, I want you to stay deeply connected. And Paul was so He was so bent in making sure that the people understood that, that he realized he couldn't just go one by one and create the roots, that he had to use, really, the only power that he had at his disposal to change these lives. And that was to get down on his knees and lift them up so that the realities of Christ would take hold in the lives of the people that he otherwise couldn't influence. Now, thankfully, my roots go deeper than just my mom and dad because languishing in her own set of circumstances was my grandmother, who couldn't do much. And I'd ask her, what are you doing? Praying for you guys? She had 11 kids and numerous grandkids, so that's an all-day job. And I must have been on the list because somehow along the way I wasn't interested in the God question, but it was certainly interested in me. And I truly believe that that root system that I had was partly nourished by the prayers of people that were some distance away from me. And as Paul is praying this prayer, he's wanting that to happen in your life and in my life. To be rooted and established. And I like that terminology because it says that there has been an effort put forth to ensure that the roots are what they need to be when the storms come. I don't know what the story of that tree that's called Old Angel is, but if it could talk... Wouldn't it be interesting to hear 1,500 years worth of just 
sitting there and watching things happen around it. I'm not saying trees come alive, but I'm suggesting that it has to be quite a story. But I also wonder what it is that the tree did, if anything, to be in that place. Could be, well, I wasn't here until that bird, you know, did its thing and it landed here, and then here I am. Not the most pretty humbling way to begin your existence, but hey, it's not how you start out, it's how you end up, right? Nobody's saying, oh yeah, I remember when you were born, you're nothing. No, you can't say that, can you? Because what, what that tree is, is something majestic. When mothers are looking at their kids, no matter their, where their mindset is, there is an instinct inside of them that says, I want you to grow. I want you to thrive. I want you to do well. Even to the point where if it was her or the child, oftentimes they would say, most of the time they would say, no, I would say almost, I would say all the time. Circumstances being what they need to be, I want to see that child thrive. God is into it that much. He is into your success as a person who is living in Christ more than you could ever imagine. But the thing about sending kids off is that you have no idea where they're going to land, what they're going to do, what they're going to think. Because there comes a point where you do have to let go. I don't want to make fun of anybody, but my wife was telling me about some moms dropping their kids off at the preschool and they're just grieving the fact that they were losing their kids. And we're just thinking, well, we were kind of ready actually. But <laughs> when, you, when, they, when they go out of the nest and you're thinking, yeah, I'm kind of grieving that, but it's part of the natural process. And I can't go back for 18 years and redo it. But I can look at where I'm at in life and say, what can I do now? And I think there's always ways to influence and prayer is the number one way. As we gather in this room and we are thinking about these things, I just want to go in one other direction here. And that is, as I drive by the forest and I see the trees leaning over or falling, I wonder what, what, what makes them fall. And I know and you know that it's how deeply rooted they are. But I wonder what that means for you and I. Because I, I, I think we can all go to church and go through the motions and then disappear. We had an elders retreat which was, which was, which was really good. And we talked about a lot of things that had to do with the organizational aspects of the church and the health of the church and the well-being of our people and all of that. But you know the thing that really mattered the most in that gathering? Next to the, uh, I would say even, even more so than the camaraderie, was how the point was made that unless the elders are anchored in, in, in their relationship with Christ and they stay anchored and they stay humble in that awareness 
and they and they really want to allow what they do to be governed by what the scripture says all that other stuff doesn't matter too much because the winds will come the forces will work against it and if it is not rooted and established in Christ it's not going to stay and so if anything, the elders of the church and people that are, are mature leaders and mature uh, people in the church really are and help define how healthy the root system is in any congregation. And if we don't attend to that enough, it'll be to our peril. The last thing I want to say is as the elders and the members of this body try to be rooted and strengthened in the things of Christ, we do everything that we can to try to help everyone that we can to capture that vision. To be a place that says the family name that is represented here is Jesus. And hopefully when you see us, you see him and you see how rooted we are in him. And hopefully as we continue that process of staying connected to him, by design the family is, is called to grow, to be something even more so. Because all the families of the earth that God has named, not all of them are connected. And not all of them will know the life-giving effect of having Christ at the center. And if Christ is at the center then we are rooted and established. And we move forward and when we connect with other people, we're rooted and established together. And when we move forward and are rooted and established together, other people are drawn into something that we share that they hopefully will want. And that is to take part in the riches of what it means to be part of God's family. And as we move forward even more so, as this passage just unfolds, we'll read two more verses in closing. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That was his prayer. That's the prayer that we have for our kids. That's the prayer that we have for our people. That's the prayer that we have for anybody who is not connected to the life-giving power of God through Jesus How deep are your roots? Because you may even be like that old angel and think, I'm pretty solid. But I didn't see those chainsaws coming. And now I don't know what to do. Well, being rooted and established in Christ, you will and you do. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for helping us in the first part of this journey through the trees and through the roots and ultimately into the realities of our faith, helping us to comprehend those things that are so deep. 
and helping us, Father, each to be established in a way where our roots, hopefully, are running just a little bit deeper. Where the forces that work against our souls, our relationships with each other, our families, even the community and the world that we live in, we know are designed to, to destroy rather than build up. And I pray that from within your people, the presence and the power of Christ would be manifest, would be rooted and established in everyone here. And we thank you, Lord, as we pray this prayer, we trust that you'll be doing that as we allow and surrender our lives to that process. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.